0: Free at last from dire oppression, free from army shouting hate, free at last from brute aggression, free a new life to create. Let us now, hands, join together.
1: fields of flowering heather. May all hearts be free from guile. Let us build new lives in beauty. Let the grass wave full and green. Let Good morning everyone. Thanks for joining us both here and online. It's almost the epitome of a beautiful spring day. So let's take advantage of it and see the new growth within ourselves beginning. I'll read this. I'm Nayaswami Jyotish and this is Nayaswami Devi for those of you who may not know us. I'll read this. Uh, subject for this week from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita, showing the similarity between those two, but by extension between the essence of all world scriptures. This subject is, to each according to his faith. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of Saint John, chapter three, we read, everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. It is a common experience shared by most people that when a person errs, he experiences a desire to hide that error from his conscience instead of holding it up for purification. Error clutches its misdeeds to itself and resists correction. Though it is only in a state of purity that we can achieve perfect freedom. It requires an act of will to offer that awareness up to the light and hold it there until one's inner darkness is completely dissipated. For every state of consciousness has its own attractive power, and the more we allow that attraction to act upon us, the more we attract to ourselves the objective circumstances and experiences natural to it. Our faith is the attractive power of our underlying state of consciousness. Goodness attracts goodness. It takes goodness even to see goodness. Evil attracts evil. And it takes evil even to see evil that is, to take special note of its existence. Whatever there is in you of darkness or light, offer it up to the heights. In the supreme light alone will we find salvation. Accept nothing less in yourself as your, rela- re- as your lasting reality. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the 12th chapter, Cling thou to me, clasp me with heart and mind, so shalt thou dwell surely with me on high. But if thy thought droops from such heights, if thou beest weak to set body and soul upon me constantly, despair not, give me lower service, seek to reach me, worshiping with steadfast will. And if thou cannot worship steadfastly, work for me, toil in works pleasing to me. For he that laboreth right for love of me shall finally attain. But if in this thy faint heart fails, bring me thy failure. Thus through Holy Scripture God has spoken to mankind.
0: want to welcome everyone today and uh, today is Earth Day and you know you honor the earth and the earth blesses you back and just couldn't be a more perfect day yesterday we were at the uh, Crystal Hermitage Gardens looking at the tulips there were over a thousand people who had come yesterday and it was The flowers were glorious, the tulips and the pansies and the flowering cherries, but equally beautiful was the diversity of people that were there. There were people from all over the world. There were Muslims and Hispanics and Indians, and it just, it was like the Garden of Eden. You know, all God's children just sitting there, being touched by the beauty of God's creation, and I know this weekend we celebrate also Swami Kriyananda's uh, passing. He passed on April 21st, 2013, and I just felt how pleased he must be to see what God has opened up for people to appreciate. So I'd like to start by reading... Uh, a prayer poem from Yoganandaji's Whispers from Eternity. This is called Make Me a Smile Millionaire O oh, silent laughter Smile thou through my soul Let my soul smile through my heart and let my heart smile through my eyes O oh, prince of smiles Be thou enthroned beneath the canopy of my countenance safe in the castle of my sincerity, where no rebel hypocrisy can lurk to destroy thy presence in me. Make me a smile, millionaire, that I may scatter thy rich smiles freely upon sad hearts everywhere. I I just have to follow that happy prayer poem with a joke. (laughs) <laughs> so, it's, it's actually a true story, and some of you know it, but some of you perhaps not. This, uh, there was a very well-respected philosopher and scientist in the early part of the 20th century, uh, William James, and he was an astronomer and scientist and so forth. And one day, one evening, he was giving a lecture about the nature of our solar system, And he had charts, and he was explaining how the sun is the center of our solar system, and the different planets rotate around, and the earth is part of this great rotation orbit of planets. And afterwards, this little old lady came up to him and said, Mr. James, you shouldn't talk that nonsense. And he said, Madam, what do you mean? She said, all that nonsense about the earth going around the sun? Everybody knows that the earth is just dirt on the back of a turtle. And Henry James just paused, and he said, Well, madam, what does that turtle rest on? And she said, Well, it rests on a bigger turtle. And he said, And what does that turtle rest on? And she said, It's no use, Mr. James. It's turtles all the way down. (laughs) Well... This would be funnier if we didn't look at the world around us today and find very opposing versions of reality. And in our own lives, we have to understand that even in our individual consciousness there are different versions of reality, aren't there? There's that part of us that aspires to be the best we can be. And there's that other part that says, you're not good enough, why try? Just settle back. Just be dirt on the back of a turtle. And, But we need to remember that each one of us are children of God's light. We have to acknowledge that that light is always a moral compass. It's always guiding us. We may not choose to follow that moral compass, but nevertheless, it's inside of us. And when we err, and we all do, every single one of us, then we have to realize we have two choices, and that's what this passage is talking about. We have the choice of least resistance, And I'll even say the choice of weakness that said when we make a mistake and we say, oh, it's not so bad or, well, he did it too or everybody does it or the faults with the world, the standards are too high. We need to lower the standards. And all of this is the choice of weakness. And then there's a second choice and that's the choice of strength. And that choice said, I made a mistake. And I can see it now. And I will hold that up to God because I know I am God's child. And I will say, help me to improve, help me to do better. And we, it's, we need to understand too that these two choices aren't just a moment in time, but they are life directions. And if we take the choice of least resistance and self-justify our mistakes. What does that do? It creates an ever-thickening filter between the light within us and our own actions. We lose the moral compass every time we justify our mistakes. It's okay. It's not so bad. They did it too. But if we say, Lord, I am taking... The path of courage, of strength, of self-honesty, then as we move forward that light gets stronger within us and it's reinforced. And so it's really, all of a sudden this thought came to me when I was thinking about this. Every time we err, every time we make a mistake in whatever way, what an opportunity that is if we take the choice of self-honesty. Because that's a step forward spiritually of self-offering to God. I remember once some years ago when Swamiji was still with us in the body, he was talking with us, and there was a person who held a position in the community at that time, and they weren't doing a very good job. And Swami, who was kindness and compassion, but he said, we're going to have to reassigned this person. It just really isn't working out, and, but he hadn't told the person yet, and being a bearer of very little brain, um, like Winnie the Pooh, I told that to somebody else who was a friend and a confidant, and I thought, okay, that's the end of the story, but this person lacked even more discrimination than I did, and they went and told this person was going to be shifted. And it was a very messy situation. And Swami called me over, and he was upset. And he said, not mincing any words, he said, When are you going to learn to keep your big mouth shut? <laughs> and the beautiful thing of it was, in his aura, in his love, in his acceptance, I didn't say but that other person shouldn't have done it I wasn't the only one I just simply said Swami I'm sorry I won't do it again and that was the end of the story it was so beautiful I felt total without it because I didn't flinch away from it and then what happened that did I oh, did I never speak without discrimination again I'm sorry to say no but did I have a clearer idea of what was appropriate to say? Absolutely, yes. Sometimes I didn't do the right thing, but I knew better what was the right thing, and I had more control. And so when we offer things to the light, we gain the ability to, to the light. What does that mean? When we offer things to God and say, I own this, I made a mistake, whatever it is, and don't think that people don't see, you know, people know everything. They know everything. <laughs> but they love us just the same. But if you can just hold up and say, Lord, help me to keep, the sep- to dissolve the separation of me from you, help me to stand in the aura of your light. And then we gain the ability to go further and further in that. And then this passage that we read, I wanted to, that Jyotish read, I wanted to read just a certain section of it because it's very, these, you know, Swami Kriyananda's writings are so condensed. I mean, one sentence you can take and you can build a life of wisdom on that and um, I just want to read a few sentences of what we just heard because they're very deep. Every state of consciousness has its own attractive power and the more we allow that attraction to act upon us, the more we attract to ourselves the objective circumstances and experiences natural to it. Our faith is the attractive power of our underlying state of consciousness. Our faith is the underlying power of our state of consciousness. What does that mean? It means if we allow the attitudes of cynicism and doubt and sarcasm, if we nurture these within ourselves we will attract things that reinforce that cynicism and belittling and no but you know uh, negativity but if we hold to our faith that will attract to us things that reinforce that faith and we attract according It's a choice that we make. If we make a mistake, if we just go the way of cynicism and says, well, that's just the way life is, we will attract more and more circumstances that reinforce that. But if we make a mistake and say, Lord, I have faith in your presence in my life, I have faith in humanity, no matter how misguided they may be, may appear at any time, That faith will attract things that reinforces this. And this leads me to just take some time to talk about the life of Swami Kriyananda, who was with us for many, many years in the body and many years not in the body, his guiding presence. And he was a man of great faith. I can't tell you Every book he wrote, he put his heart and soul into it, and he would always say to people around him, "This one's going to be a bestseller." And none of them ever were yet. But someone once asked him the courage to ask this, "Swami, do you really believe every book you're going to write that you write is going to be a bestseller?" And he said, "No." but I have to have faith that it will be. That's what gives me the desire to write it, that it will reach people, that it will change people's lives. And so it is with everything that he did. And being over at the garden yesterday, he created those beautiful, he envisioned those beautiful gardens so that people could come. And one of the things that happened yesterday when we were at the garden, it touched me so deeply. There's out by the pool deck, there's a little concrete kind of a patio table where Swami in the afternoon would always go for a little walk and then he'd sit at that table and he'd often have tea or if it was a nice day, he would have lunch out there at that little cement uh, table. And yesterday, there was this beautiful Hispanic family There was mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers and little kids of all ages and they had brought a picnic lunch and they were so excited and they were I don't speak Spanish but they were all talking in and, and out by the pool and they were eating their lunch, and I just thought oh Swami look who's eating at your table now. this beautiful family and And I know how pleased he must have been, especially with what we see in the world with people being, with diversity being squelched and judged and people being deported and all that, just to have this beautiful family there in that light. And this was Swami's gift. He lived in faith and He lived in faith and extraordinary love for God. And so many of the things he said in his lifetime didn't come to pass. But now, little by little, they are. And it just made me realize he wasn't living in our time frame. He was living in a much broader rhythm of life. For those of you who know the story, if you haven't read his autobiography, The New Path, please read it. It's, It's a great book. But in the late 1950s, early 1960s, he wanted to create in India, in New Delhi, a project which simply became known as the Delhi Project. And it was an interfaith temple with beautiful grounds and shrines for all different religions. And... Not only did it not come to pass, but it led to a huge crisis in his life where he was thrown out of self-realization fellowship because they didn't understand his motives. So it didn't come to pass. And then in 2003, he went back to India to establish Ananda's work there. And again, he said, can we get land in Delhi? Can we find a place to do this project? And they looked and looked, but land was millions of dollars to buy at that time in Delhi. But that faith, this is, a, this is a work for God. And then some of you are aware, Jatish and I just returned from India a few days ago, and this project is starting to happen. A very wealthy, very high-minded spiritual man, is donating land in Delhi with a very similar, and we were over there helping to plan it. So faith attracts that which it is based on. Faith in God, I'm doing this to serve God. And in time, that comes back, doesn't it? And Swami's presence, we, we were there for two weeks meeting with wonderful, wonderful, talented, creative people. And I felt Swami's presence so strongly in all of the meetings. And then we were meditating on Friday at his Moksha Mandir, and it was the same feeling, that same feeling that I had felt at all the meetings. And I just said, oh, you're, you've been guiding this all along, haven't you? So, to Swami could have been cynical, he could have self-justified and said, that's all their fault. But he didn't. He let his faith guide his life. And it attracted to him, the, in time, everything that he hoped to do. And I just want to close by reading a beautiful quote from Swami. Here it is. This is from The New Path. And this is, yes, Everything he came, he hoped to do, is starting to be accomplished. But what he always reminded us of was, what I do isn't important. What any of us do isn't important. It's the consciousness with which we do it. And this is a beautiful quote from The New Path. Whose work is this we are spreading? Mine? Yours? Certainly not. Whose world is this that we are so anxious to improve? Not ours either. This is God's show. Our guru seldom praised me for my labor, but he did sometimes praise me for my devotion. For he was more anxious that I and all of us work to develop and perfect ourselves in this heavenly quality than we do tremendous outward labor but in forgetfulness of God. So in our lives, in our service, as we, many of you are just completing the yoga teacher training, and you'll be going out and sharing that, always remember what we do isn't important, but the thought of God, the thought of faith, when cynicism comes, when doubt and negativity comes, understand they are so self-defeating. Choose the path of faith. Choose the path of seeing the highest in all, seeing God's light in all. And when we can do that, then we walk the path of the great ones. We walk towards the light. We walk in the light. And we find within ourselves that we are now and always have been children of the light. mm